Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Hey, uh, we want to welcome you here to the Vine. My name's John Adams, and actually there's a guy here today visiting whose name is John Adams. Come on. What a name, but you can't forget that. We're... uh, we are, uh, we're so glad that you're here to, to worship at the Vine Community Church. And we got many people traveling and on vacation. And it's uh, God be with them too. But we want to dig into his wonderful word for those of us who are here. And I know that some of you are, are checking out our services and worshiping with us online today as you travel. So as we come uh, together, we've been in a, in a uh, book series out of the book of Titus. And the title of it is Grace for Living. And uh, today, uh, as we think about uh, just uh, God's word, I've been reflecting on how beautiful the stars are in the sky. Have you seen them in the sky? And aren't they wonderful? You know, in Atlanta, you see an occasional star, right? (laughs) Even though there are billions of stars in the sky, they yet are, they're up there, and yet they're unseen to us. Here in Atlanta, Lizanne and I were uh, were uh, traveling recently. Went to the beach and then to Utah, and we're done with our vacations. And uh, but in Utah, they have a designated uh, park called Dark Sky Areas, where you can actually stargaze. Have you ever been there? It's just a really cool place. And on one clear night, you see so many stars. It was glorious. I actually got my Skyview app out and saw all the constellations, identified the planets. I felt very smart. (laughs) And one uh, crazy place is you can see uh, the Milky Way. And uh, as you see the Milky Way, uh, the stars up there, there's a picture of it. Uh, The stars are just incredible. In the Milky Way, our galaxy, which is kind of our neighborhood of the universe, there are over 200 billion stars, the sun being one of them. And uh, I was just thinking about how, uh, how great and vast is the universe that we live in, that God has created. And, And I got this illustration of this plate represents the Milky Way. And you would have to go 42 million, or excuse me, 42 miles this direction, and that would represent the rest of the universe. Can you imagine that? 42 miles of plates that direction. And we live in this little tiny neighborhood called the Milky Way with 200 billion stars, (laughs) To cross the Milky Way, this, this little corner of the world, <clears throat> you would have to go literally, I believe it is six trillion miles, six trillion times 100,000. And then you get across the Milky Way. And then you've got 42 more miles of plates to cross. It's just incredible the vastness and greatness of the universe. And it's so wonderful when you can actually see all those incredible bodies that that God has created. 
And here in Atlanta, the reason why you don't see the stars, and I don't see the stars, they're there, but it's because of what they call light pollution. Just like the stars, though, we can know that God exists. Do you know that? But do you see him in your life? Yeah, we know he's a spirit. But the Bible says that we should be able to see him. But the reason we don't see him is because of a spiritual pollution called sin. We all struggle with this spiritual pollution that hinders our ability to see God clearly. Sin has darkened our spiritual sight and impacted the entire world. Scriptures like 1 Corinthians 13, you've seen it, says that right now in this world, for this life, we all struggle with this because of sin in us and around us that we see kind of like through a glass very dimly. But then it says, it goes on, and I thank God for this. It says, in heaven, we will see him face to face. Imagine what that moment's gonna be like. The God of the universe that created this vast, inconceivably large universe is our Father who loves us with an everlasting love and care. Praise God. And so, in our lives right now, we can die more and more to our sin and we're called to do that. And as we do that, our wonder factor, our awe factor will increase. We will, so to speak, experience and know God more, and then we will make him more clearly known. Last week, uh, Garrison did a great job preaching from Titus 3, chapter, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And today we're going to see two ways God makes his work visible. And the first way is by his grace, God makes visible his work to you. And we see this in verses four through seven. Verse four begins saying, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, that word appeared, verse four, important one, because it talks about how it get, the meaning of it is to give off light or make visible you see, when God's grace works in you, it's more than informational. It changes you. You may not see God like we do here in the natural world, but you do see God and know him. You experience him. In fact, in my life, I could say God is more real to me, feels more real than even you, which is amazing. You see, when God's, God's grace changes you, you see his goodness and his loving kindness. So a few questions as we, before we read our passage is this. Do you see God's goodness and kindness in your life? Do you? Do you know his Holy Spirit? We're going to see this in this text. Are you confident that you are God's heir? All that he has this creator of all this vast universe, it's yours with him. Hard to believe, right? And here's the kicker. And this is the point of Titus. Really, do others see God's work in and through you? Do they? 
Would you say that? Verses 4 through 11 are, are not just facts about God. It's really knowing and experiencing his work in you. So let's dig into this passage. We're going to read together God's holy word, verses 4 through 11 of chapter 3. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy and true, is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Amen. This is God's holy word. Is it not amazing, church? God has clearly revealed himself to us through his wonderful word. Thanks be to him. You see, when Jesus came to this planet, we get to see the goodness and loving kindness of the Lord. By his grace, he saved us. Verse 5, and this is flawlessly coordinated by a triune endeavor. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit accomplish our salvation, motivated out of their grace, out of their goodness out of the character of who God really is. We see this, the Father, God, God our Savior, verse four, whom he poured out, verse six, and by his grace, verse seven, all alluding to, to the Father. And then the Holy Spirit, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, verse five. And then the Son, Jesus, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, we see that in verse six. Together is one God, our glorious God in three persons, plans and executes our salvation and the salvation of everyone who believes in him. Paul boasts about this to his, this young pastor Titus who's at the island of Crete as we've seen about the goodness and loving kindness of God. He's saying, in essence, Titus and all you at Crete, do you get it? God is better than you've ever imagined. And you see, God's goodness, and we see this in this text, is seen as he saves. We see our salvation uh, with spiritual eyes. Paul calls them the eyes of, his, of our heart, Ephesians 1.18. And here in Titus, in verse 5, it's not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Amen? You see, because we know our own hearts, don't you? Do you ever wonder why and ask yourself the question, why me? Lord, why would you save me? 
You see, we know we don't deserve salvation. So what do we try to do? Often we try to earn merit, credit, effort, compare, compete, perform. But Isaiah 40, 64, 6 says that even our best of efforts are like filthy rags. You see, because we try to earn our salvation, and when we do, it takes away this vital thing, our need for a Savior. You see, you guys don't just need a religion. You need a God who saves. Who saves you from your sin. We need a perfect Savior to appear to do what we on our own are unable to do. He does the work because of his tender mercy towards us. And that should bring more and more wonder and astonishment to your heart and life because of his grace. You know, I love my dad's heart for God, especially he's so tender as he ages. You're not that old, dad, only 89. But when my dad thinks about his grace, he knows what he's been saved from. Do you? Do you ever weep when you think about God's grace toward you? You see, my dad came to Christ and back to Christ in a later life. He knows what he's been saved from. Do you? Do I? I want to grow in being astonished in knowing this God and his grace. And when I think about his grace and the wonder of it, I think of of this Puritan prayer that's so beautiful. It goes like this. Oh, Lord, I am astonished, astonished at the difference between my receivings and deservings. You see, his grace is the difference between my receivings and deservings. Grace is another word, if you will, for receivings. What you get from God, what he gives you. The contrast is a profound prayer point that point shows and illuminates God's grace to us. His grace is all about what you and I have received from him, and that should take our breath away. It takes mine away. Man, take our breath away, Lord. Please astonish us. Grow our wonder, our thankfulness that will then translate into good works, all motivated by you and your work. And see, in verse 5, we see that he, the Father pours out his Holy Spirit to us, pours it out. It reminds me of Jesus, when he was at the temple, and he said this in John 7, he said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers, rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit is poured out by the Father on us so that he would be poured out through us. Again, do you see any evidence of that in your life? Do you see the Holy Spirit being poured out through you? His presence and work should be seen by others. Many people may not realize it's the Holy Spirit. 
It might be looking like a kind word, a smile. When you're going through an aggravation, you respond in a contrary way that is amazing. And people say, how do you do what you do? And you can tell them this at that moment. It doesn't come from me. It's all from God, his kindness and goodness. He sent his perfect son for me. And now he's pouring out himself somehow in me and thankfully in small ways through me. Thanks be to God. Verse 6 continues this way. The Father pours out the Holy Spirit richly, generously, and is made known to our hearts and to others of what Jesus has done for us. And verse 7 goes on to say, it's by grace we might become heirs. Can you believe that? Remember how vast the universe is? All of that is we share in. I mean, think about what heaven will be. We can't even comprehend what the universe size is. Imagine what it will be like in heaven to explore this for the rest of the eternity. It will take eternity to explore it. I'm excited about that day of being with Jesus face to face. And he, we are heirs. In verse 7, talks about if we rely on Jesus' work, God, Jesus the Son, became human. And because he took our sin on himself at his death, we are no longer slaves to our sin, we have a new family and a brand new identity. If you and I have confessed our sin and know our need for Jesus the Savior, God's word promises us, even when we don't feel like it, we are his sons and daughters. Hallelujah, amen? We are by his work. And we are also heirs. We inherit all that he's created and all that he has. Romans 8, 16, 17 says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Why do we need the spirit to testify this? Because we hardly can believe it. It's too good to be true, right? It goes on, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So ask the Holy Spirit to bear witness to your heart today. Ask him. God, make this real. Make this palpable. Make it, as some would say, white hot. The reality that we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. You see, one role that the Holy Spirit has is this, is to cause our hearts to, as Psalm 37 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good. He's good. And how good are the riches that we have right now in Christ? Hey, it's nothing that the stock market is following. You have the wealth of Christ. You have it all. Do not fear, little church. Do not be afraid. You have a great father who loves you. And because of his goodness and kindness, he pours out his Holy Spirit to his children and makes real this reality that we are his heirs. He doesn't do this just so you'll have an emotional experience. It's not bad to have one, but 
He doesn't do it primarily for that reason, nor does he do it just so that you'll know, oh, I got all these spiritual bennies because of Christ's work. No, verse eight tells us why he does it. You can see it right here. Look at it. By grace, God makes his work visible through you. And we see this in verses eight through 11. Verse eight says, the saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. We've seen it throughout Titus. When grace is effectively passed on, it changes our thinking, our desires, and literally the way we live. Everything we do and are is impacted by his work, his grace. What you do should flow out of the one whom you believe. And this is so important because we talk about here at the Vine, and as it comes from his word, what it means to flourish in God's grace. Here at the Vine, we believe that you cannot truly flourish without living in God's grace. And it's so easy, isn't it, to get sidetracked, to get derailed from that? In, in, in verses 9 and 10, it's the unfortunate derailment of some of these Cretan Christians. You see it? It's pretty, pretty strong. He talks about that, some, verse 9, some of the church who got caught up in arguments about the law and just doing good works on their own. And then verse 10, he says that there were some who were creating divisions in the church. And he has strong words about those who go in that direction. But we know for all of us, we can get distracted and not rely on God's grace. It's so easy to get caught up in our life and circumstances to think about just me and what, what I'm going through. And we fail at those moments to rely on his grace. And then we fail to do his good works because we don't have his power or strength or grace that changes hearts and then changes actions. You see, when this happens, flourishing fails and really we can feel it we, we're not thriving either. So today, I just want to ask you, in this size of a group and online, if, do you know this Jesus? Do you know this perfect God came and lived a sinless life? He died for you. You don't have to earn his his merit or favor, all you have to do is simply repent of your sin and turn in faith and trust and rely on the Savior. Give up all your deadly doing, all of your trying to achieve or merit your own religion or strivings. And just simply today, I encourage you, rely on him and him alone. Let us know if you've done that. We'd love to walk with you in the process of growth. And if you know God, Jesus says, look, I am the light of the world. <laughs> and, and he wants to shine through you and his irradiance to not just shine in you, but then through you to others and make his grace visible. 
Uh, Jesus, on the, in the Sermon on the Mount, very famous passage, said this to his disciples, and he says this to you and me. You are the light of the world. In the same way, let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, that's the reason why we do good works. I love, love, love what Charles Spurgeon writes in one of his sermons on this text. It's amazing. It just summarizes everything I've tried to say. And we could have said this in two sentences. Here it is. The object of our shining is not that men may see how good we are, nor even see us at all, but that they may see grace in us and God in us and cry, what a father, what a father these people must have. You see, it brings me to tears because when they see my life, do they cry that? What a father you must have. And friends, family of God, do you realize what a father you must have? God is so gracious. He's so great. He's so good that he comes to us and he makes visible his work to you and through you. Wow. Wouldn't this make a difference if we really believe this, if we trusted this and not our own efforts or works? You know, earlier in the sermon, I quoted a lot of numbers, but I came across this number also in a Google search. <laughs> 2.38 billion people. Whew. What is that number? Well, <laughs> my Google search went on to say this, that that number actually represents... How many Christians are in the world today who practiced some form of Christianity globally? That's, guys, that's nearly one-third of the world's population. It could easily go to right now, what if? But I'm just going to ask you, not just what if 2.38 billion people shine the light of Christ. What really are you and I shining his light? Let's not think about all of them out there. Let's think about us in here. Are we the people of God who the gospel of Christ has changed us and is continuing to change us? that we are seeing God more clearly and we are making him more clearly known to others. Are people crying out and noticing, Spurgeon says, what a father 
these people must have. You know, it's appropriate for us in this moment to really repent because all of us can and should grow in this. There's not one person in this room that (laughs) doesn't struggle with great sin, and yet we have an even greater Savior. So I would encourage you as we come to the table of the Lord, as you go about your week this week, as you finish your life, whether you have one day in your life or you have a hundred years left, that you would invite God's grace to shine to you and then through you. He would make known himself through you and me. Praise the Lord. Do it, Lord. Let's take a moment of just silent confession of sin and repentance. Come to him. He's a faithful father who forgives any and all your sins if you come humbly to him. Let's pray. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.